this episode, homemade basil garlic bread from Hilary Davis's Le French Oven. Welcome. I'm Bruce Weinstein. I'm the chef in Bruce and Mark. Hey there, and I'm Mark Scarborough. I'm the writer. And together we've published more than 25 cookbooks and won some national awards like the IACP People's Choice Award this year, baby. And some international awards like the Gourmand Award at the Paris Book Show, Fifi. And we've appeared on a number of national bestseller lists. We were two below Fifty Shades of Grey this year. I have always wanted to be two below Fifty Shades of Grey. I may be the chef, but today I'm getting out of the kitchen. Because I've got a secret. As a writer, I haven't cooked a thing in years, except maybe bowls of kibble for the collies. That's about to change. Mark's headed into the kitchen. Remember, he's a writer, and he gets easily distracted, usually by bourbon. Hey, watch it. I'm doing the cooking. And I'm going to help you out. And I'm going to guide him, and I'm going to give him tips, and I'm going to judge him. And so after 25 books, he can finally say, Hey, I fucking made that. It's awfully quiet in this kitchen. Well, there's not much noise when I'm just proofing yeast for you. Yeast? Oh, holy hell for me, yeast? Oh, calm down. You're going to try your hand at a recipe from Hilary Davis's new book, Le French Oven. I'm not sure whether I want to kill you or kill her. Just kill this basil garlic bread. <laughs> no way. No way. Bread? I mean, I write about it. I write about it all the time. I like writing about it. It's kind of organic. I hear it's making it's kind of organic, too. But uh, no, 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 and no. I think I want to leave it to the professionals and leave it to the grandmothers. And you just can't be serious. Hey, you want to up your foodie creds, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, how about butchering? Butchering's good. The kids are really into butchering. I love butchering. We'll do that in another podcast. It'll be fun. But right now, you need to make bread. And this bowl has one cup of warm water, one teaspoon of sugar, and a quarter ounce package of active yeast, and it's getting foamy and it's proofing. Okay, so as the writer, as the theoretician in our team, I can actually say something about this yeast uh, that I think is interesting, and that is not every package of yeast, not every quarter ounce package of yeast you buy has the same amount or volume of yeast in it. Those quarter-ounce packages sometimes have two teaspoons, two and a quarter teaspoons, two and a half teaspoons. This is why I love baking with weight and not volume. That's right. And it would be nice if we could write all our recipes with grams and ounces and pounds and hogsheads. Well, no, 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 no hogsheads. But (laughs) a pound of sugar or 16 ounces or 12 ounces of flour is so much better. Yes, it is. There's not a... Question in my mind that's not better, but still, in the United States, we write cookbooks by volume, by cups and tablespoons and teaspoons. And given that, if you ever see a recipe that calls for two teaspoons of yeast, you can't just dump a quarter ounce package of yeast into the bowl. You have to actually measure it out and figure out what you've got in hand. Well, we're off to a good start because Hillary's recipe calls for a quarter ounce package of yeast. True enough. And it has proofed, which means it's foamy in that sugar water solution. The yeast is active and alive and doing well. So now we're going to have you put three cups of bread flour and a half a tablespoon of salt into the food processor. And you're using bread flour, not all-purpose flour, because that has a higher gluten content. You know gluten is just protein. Yep. And the protein in the flour is what holds the flour together. So the more gluten, the more protein, the stronger the, the bread will be, and the better it'll hold air when it rises. 
So put all that in the food processor. Now, crack an egg, and I had this one at room temperature for you. See how helpful I can be? Why did I do it at room temperature? Because the egg has to be at room temperature. I know this because, uh, A, you want the egg proteins as loosey-goosey as possible so that they're long and elongated so they mix well into the batter. You don't want a cold egg to shock the yeast and stop its rising. But when do I put the yeast in the bowl? We'll put it in after the egg. So beat this egg with a teaspoon of water. Now pour it into the food processor with everything else, including the yeast. Now turn it on. And in about a minute or so, this will form a beautiful dough that'll work its way around the bowl on top of the blades. It'll need a little bit in there. Then we'll put it into an oiled bowl, turn it to get it oiled all over, cover it and set it aside to rise. Apparently, when the dough rises, it makes more noise than when the yeast proves. What are you doing? I'm washing the food processor for you, so you can keep going and making the filling for this bread. So read me the rest of the ingredients you need me to collect. I can't. I'm looking at the pictures in this book. I mean, look at this. It's so beautiful. Remember when we were wine spectator correspondents and we got to go to La Belle France on their dime I all did. the time? It was beautiful. Oh my gosh. Why am I not sitting in a cafe? Look at these pictures of cafes. I should be sitting in a cafe drinking coffee. Instead, I'm making bread. In New England. And well, it's going to be delicious. <laughs> so look, read me what you need. Well, it says for this next step that I need two peeled garlic cloves, a bunch of stemmed basil leaves, and four ounces of sliced Parmigiano-Reggiano, Parmesan cheese. That's about a cup of sliced stuff. And it says I need two tablespoons of oil. We're going to use olive oil. Okay. And basically, what are those ingredients for? You're well, making a pesto, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, of course. It, well, it's a kind of pesto. There, there aren't any nuts in it, right? Yeah, the pesto is fabulous. We're going to roll out the bread. We're going to put the pesto inside. It's going to make it herbaceous. It's going to give it so much flavor. It's going to be like garlic bread, but with so much more depth to it. And now all we have to do is wait for the dough to finish rising. Perfect. So the dough has risen nicely, and now we're going to continue with the bread. And this bread is not really a no-knead bread technique that we've done in the past, but it is baked in a cast iron oven. Well, it's kind of no-knead. I never put my hands really in it. No, but the food processor did a little bit of kneading. And right. it's not as soft a battery dough the way no-knead bread is. This really was a dough that held together nicely. Okay. Well, it's going to go in that French oven kind of like no-knead breads do and bake in that Yeah, they same, bake in covered, in covered French same ovens. Same way. So maybe we should say what a French oven really is. Well, a French oven is basically a Dutch oven. And they, at this at this point in time, those terms are interchangeable. I think in the olden days, the Dutch ovens were round, covered cast iron pots, and the French ovens were oval ones. Yeah, well, I most cookbook and magazine editors still demand on that distinction They're that Dutch ovens round. are round and French ovens are oval. But Hillary Davis isn't doing that in her book. Every Any kind of a covered cast iron pot is she's considering a French oven. So we are going to bake this in a round. Maybe oven. the difference really is heaviness. Because Dutch ovens, there are a lot of people who have those revereware Dutch ovens that are kind of, I, I don't want to say flimsy, but they're, they're thin. thin. They're thin. And a French oven is a cast iron, enamel-coated, heavy right. thing. So this is really a two-step process right now. We're going to put this French stove oven in a very hot oven, a 450-degree oven, 
And while it heats in there for a good 35 minutes, we're going to shape the dough. Yep, we're going to shape it and actually let it rise again while the pan continues to heat. So, okay. The, so put this in the oven. Okay. Perfect. Now let's shape the dough. Before we actually work with the dough, we have to create a parchment sling to be able to get this dough in and out of that hot oven. Oh, because the pot's going to be really hot and I don't want to burn my fingers. You got it. So got take it. this big piece of parchment. I'm going to fold it over a couple of times. Yep. Great. So now we have this nice long piece of parchment. Set it aside and we're going to dump the dough out on the counter. Beautiful. Now you're actually going to take a rolling pin. And okay. I want you to roll it so that it's, you know, it's, it's a pseudo rectangle, oval kind of thing. Slightly bigger than the pot was. Okay, so I get this thing. Oh, so i got to have my pot. So now I figure out no, the bottom. but you know how big that pot was. I know, but it's it's round and I'm working on a rectangle. Yeah. So it's all complicated here. But uh, I get this thing in a kind of rectangle about the size of the pot. Yeah, in, again, doesn't have to be a perfect rectangle. We're not taking out the compass and the protractor. And we're not looking for perfect, <laughs> perfect right angles. Somebody here. failed geometry. Compasses and protractors don't work with rectangles. But okay, anyway, go on. So now take that pesto we made and you can use the back of a spoon and just spread it on the dough. Okay. Cover the whole thing, leaving a little half inch or so edge. Okay. Now roll it up. So when I roll it up, do I roll it up widthwise or lengthwise? Start on a small end and roll it that way. And that way we'll have many more rolls because we're rolling it the long way. And so we'll have more spirals of herbs in there. Okay. Okay, so you did that. Now comes the hard part. We have to sort of form this into a ball or a French boule. A boule. And the way I like to do it is I take those ends that are sort of open and I turn them underneath okay. and sort of mush the whole thing into a ball around mush? them. Mush? Is that rustic. a culinary term? It's mush? a French culinary yeah, term. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Mush. Okay, so I, it's not really, it's it's kind of, I'm smushing it a little. That's okay. It's okay to smush it? It still looks like a ball. It Okay, so I smush it a little bit and I have those ends underneath, right? right? Now set so. the whole thing seam side down on the parchment. Got it. Perfect. So we're going to let it rest for the 30 minutes or so that the pot still heats up and then you're going to bake it. Okay, so I get it on the parchment, which it is. It's it's done. Then I'm going to lower this parchment into the hot oven. But remember to use pot holders when you take the pot out of the oven. It's really hot. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not that dumb. And uh, I'm going to get it in that pot. I'm going to make it covered, covered right? Covered, yes. Okay, so it's going to go covered in the pot. And then she says that if it's not quite brown enough at the end, I can uncover the pot for five to ten minutes. Is you that can. Right? The last time I made it, I did that because I wanted it much browner. And then use the parchment to lift it out. Okay. Let it cool about a half an hour to an hour. And and then uh, it'll be good to go. Okay. And now, you know, my favorite part, tasting and judgment. Drama queen. Anyway, we let the bread bake for about 30 minutes. Like we said, we took it out of the pot. Uh, we took it out on its sling and we cooled the loaf for... I don't know, 45 minutes? What do we do here? Like, 40, Yeah, we 40. let it go about 45 minutes because yeah. if you try to slice hot bread too quickly, it doesn't slice well, you ruin the crumb. So let's taste this. Oh, marked a little crunch from the edge. Um, it's like the best garlic bread I've ever had. It is. It's really nice that the oven, I still don't know how this works. I've seen this done a million times. And I still don't understand how you can bake bread covered in a Dutch oven, in a French oven, and it can come out like this, it can come out crunchy and yet soft inside. How does that work? It's it's like a physics quandary that's going on there. It's a paradox. It's a bread paradox. <laughs> what is that? Well, I'm, so, well, I'm sorry. I can't stop eating. You know well, what? So I have to ask you. You made bread and you did it well. I but, did make so bread. What'd you learn? 
Well, I learned that I shouldn't be too afraid of bread making, really, honestly, although you're standing right here the whole time watching me, but still, <laughs> I shouldn't be that afraid of doing this. And? Okay, this whole process is really about patience. You really got to wait. You got to not get all hepped up about it. You got to be kind of zen about bread making and let it kind of happen. Uh, I just don't have much patience in my life. <laughs> yes, we know. <laughs> and what else did you learn? Okay, well, uh, I learned that this bread needs a braise uh, out of a big French oven. I mean, this bread is not complete, right? We need a braise to go with this bread. So, uh, What do you suggest? What else is in this cookbook? Let's see. Beer braised beef brisket. Braised cod with potatoes and onions. Lemon braised chicken with green olives. Braised lamb shanks. This recipe for basil garlic bread is from Hilary Davis's new cookbook, The French Oven. Hillary has been generous enough to share this recipe with us, so you can also find it on our website, bruceandmark.com. But you can buy the book wherever fine books are sold, in brick-and-mortar stores, at online bookshops, or from a link on our website. If you like our podcast, would you mind rating us and reviewing us on iTunes or whatever platform you found us on? And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter by dropping us a note on our website, bruceandmark.com. Check it out homemade basil garlic bread. I was scared and I still fucking made that.